I, let's see, I just graduated oh, high school. On. Yeah, we are live. We're live now. We're having a conversation with yeah. everybody where they were in 1978. Yes. Okay. The reason yeah. why we picked 1978 because something happened on oh, this on, day. Yes, on this day in 1978, okay. Muhammad Ali defeated Leon Spinks. I wow. Think that was his name, Leon Spinks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 1978. To regain the heavyweight title. So, uh, do us a favor. Type in, uh, text in what you were doing in 1978. Yeah. Um, what you know, kind of like what yeah. age were you in junior high? Do we figure out you were in junior high, list? A freshman, freshman in high school? In high school. Okay, freshman in high school. You were a freshman in high school. Wow. Um, <laughs> you were working on your doctorate? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to take it. <laughs> She's a Bostonian. We do this. This is what we do. We do this while we're driving. Oh, you know, I saw a thing on there on this day, WBAZAM. Yeah, WB. They started street. They started live. Their first day was today. WBZ. WBZAM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was on this day in whatever you wow. forgot, nineteen something. Nineteen seventy-eight. I was uh, in my first year of college at uh, Fitchburg State. Fitchburg. Yep. What's their mascot? Fitchburg. Uh, I forget what it was. <laughs> uh, it was all blurry to me, man. I, in 1978, I don't think this can be used against me, but in 1978, I was dating this girl. Statue of limitations. It, it, yes, so I'm claiming them, whether it's true or not. In 1978, I was dating this girl, and I could not afford a Christmas present. So in this city of Fitchburg, um, I was at my, my frat house, and uh, I was on the track team. And so it's, I waited for a snowstorm to come, and it was about two and a half feet of snow. I watched the routine of the cop cars around Fitchburg. <laughs> it's the second hilliest city in the United States behind San Francisco. So what I did was I dressed up in long johns, you know, the white ones, all complete white johns, and then I put a face mask over me, and I put on my track spikes. I was, at the time, a really good two-miler. Yeah. Um, and so I was on the track team and I could, I could haul, but I had track spikes on. So I waited for a day that I knew that the roads were slippery and the, and the cops couldn't get me. So um, I went to a jewelry store, broke the window, reached in, grab, grab a ring, just one ring. I could have taken more. <laughs> He's got I'm not that kind of guy. Not that Don't think badly of me. Not that I just took one ring and I left a note. And the note said, I am so sorry. Um, but I needed a present for my girlfriend. Sorry about the window. And, you know, something like that. And then the alarm, the light starting to flash. You know, because it was a jewelry store. And so it was on. And sure enough, I'm running. And I picked a route back that was uphill. And sure enough, all of a sudden, woo, I mean, car, I don't think, no, they did sirens different back then. It was, Remember that was yeah. Barney Fife and Andy Griffith were riding, and they came. So uh, it was about two feet of snow, and I remember the cop car um, came down from above. So they weren't coming up behind me; they were coming down above. So I ran into this backyard and laid in the snow. Now it was deep enough snow that my whole body dropped into it. The only way you'd know that I was there is if you had flew over me and looked. There's only one other way that you could tell that I was there. Is if you had a spotlight and you slowly passed over where I laid because the heat of my body, the steam was coming up out of the snow. And I remember laying there, just holding my breath, watching the steam go up and seeing this light hit the steam, then go back, hit the steam, and then uh, the car slowly drive on. And it drove on, and I ran back, and this all these frat guys getting high in the frat place, <laughs> oh, and they're yeah. like, "What have you been doing, Rienzo?" Oh, nothing, <laughs> you know. And I go to the room, and and I can remember going home for Christmas and gave her her. Oh, isn't that love? Oh. I mean, isn't that love? That's love right there. Sure, a little arsony, a little uh, yeah, a little thievery, but she would she loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. broke up with me, <laughs> cheated on me. I was like, golly, if you, <laughs> I robbed a jewelry store for you. How many guys can say that? Yeah, so uh. so it was good. I never hurt anybody. No, that's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. So I wouldn't go to hell. No, no, no. God wouldn't do that to me. No. 
Uh, so, uh, so the reason why I brought up hell right then is because we were just asked the question if hell, hell exists. Um, I have, we'd have to say this. We could make an argument about the justice of God, the mercy of God, and all the other different things. We could also um, talk about literary devices that are used in the scriptures that maybe it's more of a language thing, you know, burning, burning fiery hell with worm that dieth not and all that kind of language. And I, I can't prove that that's not true. Um, but I would just say if we were going to, if we were going to pull out that doctrine because of those reasons, we would have to start probably pulling heaven out as well, because I think the descriptions of heaven are given to us by Christ. Um, and they're not, you know, voluminous, you know, it's heaven's not an old Testament idea that's talked about. It's, we only get mostly the a glimpse of heaven from, from Christ. So if we were going to start pulling Jesus, pulling hell out. Um, because of the amount of volume of, then we'd have to be very careful. You might be pulling a lot of other things out. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to find out. The reason why people object to the concept of hell is not from a theological standpoint or even from the, the authority of scripture. It's from the philosophical problem of the idea that God would hold anybody permanently accountable for their choices. And it's not the choices for what they did wrong. It's the fact that they, would, they chose not to have Christ intervene on their behalf. Mm -hmm. They basically said no to Christ. I got this on my own. That's what gets people in that direction. Um, so it's not sin that you do that sin that brings about hell. It's, it's the rejection of belief in Christ that brings about. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like standing in front of a judge and the, the state offers you a free attorney and you decide you don't want to do the attorney. You're going to do this on your own. And that just never works out well. So, yeah. But yeah, there's no. Uh, it's just a. It's it's just a philosophical argument. It's not a theological argument, mm -hmm. and there is a difference between the, those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, a lot of good thoughts there. Anybody text us about uh, what they were doing in '78? Where's uh, nobody? Nobody else robbing a jewelry store. Nobody else robbing a jewelry <laughs> store. <laughs> it's all under the blood. It's all, it's all, all under right. the blood. If, if right. I get contacted by a jewelry store owner. <laughs> You know, <laughs> under the blood. <laughs> under the blood. Hey, let me just tell you, that was probably, there were worse things under the blood. Oh. Yeah. So That was, that was one of the kinder yeah. things you made. <laughs> so as we go into the word today, why don't you uh, open us up in yeah. prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good. Thank you that you are here with us tonight. Guide our conversation as we further dive into your word, as we look um, at this, how you do leadership through um the story about that we'll see with out of Acts with Paul tonight. Pray that you'll uh, bless our conversation. Thank you that you're here in our midst with us, and uh, we'll just give you the glory for it. We love you. Amen. Amen. I had the opportunity to speak at a high school today, um, and if you were here across on where I did that, when we were doing In the Do. Live the Do. Live the Do. We, uh, I did about lo Legos, the Lego sermon. I did that to a high school crowd. So, yeah, I went they're hard, man. Let me tell you, they're, they're their, really tough. Their attention spans are... Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not great either, but... No, I, I mean... It's tough. I had to use it's cuss sick. words and everything just to keep them <laughs> focused on me. You know, they're all looking at each other. It's like, I can't believe Gee, the guy yeah. just said that. But, uh, and he meant it. Yeah. So it was fun. I enjoyed it. I think some good things came out of it. But um, So we're talking about leadership. And last week we talked about it, and I, it's one of my favorite... Uh, subjects, not leadership so much as, but like corporate leadership, business model leadership is not your. Favorite oh no, I, yeah, yeah I, have, I take no delight in yeah, that at that's all. That's not my favorite. Yeah, leader. I don't like being the head of the <laughs> corporate, yeah. you know, church known as Crosstown. I, yeah. uh, I'm talking about the personal leadership there, and mm -hmm. we talked about. Do you remember what those three elements were? Yeah, you want the you want all. I'll give them yeah, all give to it you. Okay, yeah. we got persuasion, which mm -hmm. is like logos. Yeah, giving others a reason to believe, passion or pathos. Revealing an inner belief from a heart of passion or personhood or ethos. Living a life authentic to that belief, creating an appeal of credibility. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, when we, we take a look at that personhood, passion, and persuasion, sometimes we can leave one of those things off. And we've encountered people in leadership that have left one of those things off. And it's really interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine that was traveling in London. And while she was there, I asked her about the people. And she said that the people were very polite in London, but they were very unkind. 
And it's kind of interesting that you would find that combination. Mm -hmm. Because when you tend to think about proper, um, you know, and interacting with people and protocol and, all, you know, propriety and all that, you would think that niceness goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, no, um, she, they actually had this way of communicating to you that was nice, but they really didn't want to do anything for you. And they, very, they communicated that they didn't like you. And um, so there was this disconnect that you normally don't find. Um, and, I, and I think that sometimes when we look at ourselves from a leadership standpoint, we may grab two of those things. You know, we may be real passionate. We may be really persuasive, but we may lack the pathos part or the, the part of our character. And, and that's what we're talking about is to see what happens when we don't have one of those pieces. Yeah. Um, people tend to look like they're put together real well. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're real close. And we're in a business. Let me just tell you, church is a business. I mean, mm-hmm. we try to keep it in ministry and focus on ministry, but I think we both are experienced that sometimes they'll just hire you because, well, he would get a job anywhere, okay? There isn't a church that wouldn't take him. One, his gift set is so off the chart. Um, uh, and plus, he's a good-looking guy. Um, you know, l- little affirmation there. from Only... Uh, Randy's shaking his head, yes. Uh, okay. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> Looks like this Bible study's going in a different direction. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, but um, uh, so what, what churches will look for sometimes is, okay, I wanna, we want a cool hip. Do you have a tattoo? Yes, yeah, I have one tattoo. Me? I have okay. one tattoo right here. Oh, he's got yeah. it right here. Right here. Yeah, so that when you're worshiping God, yes. we can all see your tattoo. <laughs> the time I, I have a past. <laughs> yeah. We are not lying to you. Is that we have seen churches in the church industry that will hire people based upon their looks, their talent, and also um, uh, whether or not you can be on stage if you're overweight or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not attractive or if you're overweight or, and here's the last caveat, if you're my age, you usually don't make it to the platform. Um, and so churches will hire people that look good, they're really talented, they can communicate real well. But what we're finding is that the moral failure rate is off the chart. Uh, one, we're finding that people don't really understand the theology of the scriptures that you got really good singers, but they really don't know the theology of it. And, and that's one of the great things I like about Ricky is that he has a, a passion for theology. He wants to know, you know, like sometimes he'll get a song and he'll come up and um, uh, we've had people try to suggest certain songs to us yeah. and, you know, people in, in our audience today <laughs> who have tried to suggest songs. And then Ricky will go back and research it and find out whether or not that song has, the lyrics are sound biblically. Mm-hmm. They're, they're cool. I mean, let's admit, there's a lot of cool songs out there, but he will have to, and to know that he can do that, that's a really powerful thing. Um, pastors all around the world, if you got good hair, if you look good in a pair of skinny jeans, mm-hmm. um, if you're pretty, um, yeah. and uh, let's see, you're funny, and um, you're really pretty much going to be the pastor anywhere. Yeah. Because that's. That's really what they want. Yeah. And so we're finding people who are really, really close, but that one part that's not close can be the difference between life and death. It can be the difference between in a ministry with integrity and one that is totally shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. what we're talking about is that uh, to be a leader in the kingdom of God, it requires becoming believably real, not just looking real not just having to talk but being believably real that people look at your life and and this doesn't just apply for the church this applies to parenting this applies to marriage um mm-hmm. i'm always getting guys that i mean, all the time they just they love god they just love god and while they're dating and and i, I know we got a dating couple here and i'm not using you as a reference here but um but I mean, but I think Randy, you would agree with me. Guys can we can blow smoke like crazy, you know? Oh, I love God. I go to church and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to whether or not we are really that, that's that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
belie- becoming believably real that, wow, I can believe in you. Um, I believe you're a real individual. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what other area do you find this? I mean, we find it in ministry. We find it in dating, relationship, parenting. Parenting's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other areas you think of? Cred- business. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah credibility. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, right. Especially if if you're trying to sell a product and, oh, yeah, we can do that. Uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah, we can power wash your house. Really? You oh, can yeah. get up there, you can get all that stuff. To, oh, yeah, sure, that's no problem. And then, you know, you pay them the $1,500 and it's like staying up there. It's still up there. And it's like, I, I thought you could get, oh, nobody could get that. And it's like, <laughs> well, I appreciate you telling me that, you know. Um, so last week we saw that Paul was out, was living out his pathos his uh ethos and all that and got people to join him and um so now we're going to move into another story that comes out of the book of acts this is really great and where's this at uh, uh seven uh, i believe it's 19 but let me double check that uh, chapter uh, 19 verse 11 okay that's or it's a little bit before that but ni- chapter 19 okay so paul was going about declaring christ and the demand for for credibility was becoming very clear and in Paul's life, uh, the credibility was there. So we're going to be reading a story that is going to be um, almost sound outrageous. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll go through it together. So why don't, yeah. you, why don't you read for us? All right. It starts with, uh, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick. And then the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. Okay. Now... That's, um, so handkerchiefs were being used to heal people that Paul couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is extraordinary. And now, people today have tried this. If you, I'll just say it, if you ever watch the Benny Hinn show or if you're Jesse DePlantis or any of those guys there, I'm not saying whether or not they're real or not. Um, I'd, I'd be willing to wager some money on it. Um, but the idea is if you give us $100, we'll send you a prayer cloth. Okay, there is no appeal here for money from the Apostle Paul in order for you to get a prayer cloth. You know, you send me a prayer cloth, let it heal my back, I'll send you $100. I'll send you $1,000, okay? So uh, the proof is in the pudding. Pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've been in the South a long yeah, time, haven't I? A pudding. <laughs> no, when I said pudding, what did you guys think of? Did you think of that vanilla pudding with the little wafers? Vanilla oh, wafers? Is that, is that some, talking about banana what pudding? What do they call that? Is that what it's called, banana pudding? Oh, with vanilla I'm, wafers? I, it's not pudding, is it? <laughs> no, it's pudding. <laughs> it's pudding. <laughs> do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, what do they call that? Just pudding? I mean, I mean, they don't call pudding. it like I mean, they a have little banana snack, pudding? They have little snack packs, those little things. Remember those? For with the vanilla wafer ones? Yeah, banana. banana pudding. Okay, yeah. yeah. Banana pudding. Okay. Yeah. Golly. It's still out there. I have yeah. chocolate pudding in my fridge right now. <laughs> 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 oh, hey, oh, in the north. Yeah. Oh, the way we used to do it up north. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I want some banana pudding so bad I'm right serious. now. I'm <laughs> serious. Aren't you? Didn't you guys all kind of get that? It was, oh. so, I am really not sure how I got into the pudding. No, thing. I don't. Anybody I remember do. how we got there? <laughs> proof is in the pudding. Oh, proof is in the pudding. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so here we go. We got these handkerchiefs being handed out. Um, let's be very clear here. And, and I want to make sure we draw the lines. Paul's credibility does not perform these miracles. Okay. God does. Mm-hmm. All right. There is nothing in the Bible that says that all the time, whenever you have credibility with God, that you can do the handkerchief thing, you know, and, and the reason why I think that's really important is that um, what God chooses to do through your life is kind of what God's business is. But what Paul does uses his credibility to provide a platform to, for God to move from. So, I can't tell you exactly how God's going to move in a situation. And a lot of people are like, oh, I just wish I had the power of the Holy Spirit that I could, I could pray for handkerchiefs and give it to the sick and they would get healed. We don't see the Apostle Paul doing that at all. What we see Paul is being passionate about Christ. We see him living a life of credibility and uh, persuasive with the word of God. 
Then, so what is his credibility creates like a diving platform. What God chooses to do with that platform or what miracle happens or what response happens, that's totally up to God. Mm -hmm. um, he just makes himself ready to be used. I'm willing to bet the Apostle Paul was just as blown away by this miracle as, as anybody else was. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't pray that morning, dear Lord, I pray that people will bring me hankies and that, uh, that I would be able to draw, <laughs> to take these hankies and pray for them. That's not what Paul, what Paul did every morning was, Lord, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives within me. Mm -hmm. My life is a sacrifice. I decrease so that you can increase. Mm -hmm. and, that's all God, and that's all God wants from us, is to, in credibility, live a life that's pursuant after him. It creates a platform. Mm -hmm. Now, whether or not from that platform he's diving off of it, or whether or not he's you know, half-piking a bike off of it, or whatever he does with that platform, or whether he creates a deck for people to sit and drink coffee together, that we provide the platform. God then decides what he's going to do off of that platform. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, and the reason I think this is so important is because there were so many things I did in my Christian life to try to get God to use me a certain kind of way. If I'll stop this, Lord, if I'll stop looking at this on, on TV, and if I start stop looking at the nudie patootie magazines, and if, well, Lord God, I want to be used so that you could help do miracles through me. Mm -hmm. It's like, nah, it's not really the drive we're looking for here. I want you, no longer you who lives, but now Christ who lives within you. That's what we're going for. What I do with you when, you, when it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, um, that's my business. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to do it so that you can do signs and wonders. I want you to do this to present yourself um, wholly and acceptable to me, you know, and I'll use you the way that I want to use you. Mm -hmm. So that slight little modification um, kind of exposes something, but, mm -hmm. and it didn't me. So, yeah. um, so whether or not it's doing what Paul was doing, it, as a father, as a neighbor, as a coworker, as an employee, we, all, we always have to present ourselves to be used by God however he wants us to be used. So mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean you'll have a great marriage. It just means that you're creating a platform for a great marriage. Okay, a lack of credibility, you can't have a great, we know that you can't do anything with that. Yeah. But once you have credibility, it's, um, you've created a platform for a great marriage or great parenting to come from. Mm -hmm. But it's really almost impossible to perform great parenting if you don't have any personal, um, yeah. you know, so. And I think we have to decide, God, I want to have the credibility no matter how it works out. God, you know, it's like, God, I want to have the credibility if the church floods a fourth time and a fifth mm -hmm. time. I still want to have credibility. Yeah. And, and, and instead of God, you tell me what it takes to get this church not to flood. What do I need to do in order to make it so this church doesn't? It's like, no. God, let me live a life that's pleasing and acceptable to you. Mm -hmm. uh, let me live yeah. with a clean hands and a pure heart. Then whenever you, you want to flood the building five more times, have at it. Mm -hmm. You know, FEMA wants to write me a check for $300,000 every time, have at it. Mm -hmm. You know? I, have at so, it. Yeah. Um, so Paul's success was noticed. And like today, there were other people that wanted to have the success. So this is where the story really goes sideways. You thought the handkerchief part was weird. This part is really weird, but this is where this idea of credibility is really exposed. How you can be so, so close to looking good, doing it right, and all this other stuff, but when that little, that lack of credibility sticks its ugly head up, it all goes sideways. Mm -hmm. So why don't you mm -hmm. read to us? All right. In verse 11, it says, Also, some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. Okay. That's a crazy story. Um, and here's the thing. A lot of us will say, and I think from a right basis, we'll say that 
that in the name of Jesus Christ, the demons tremble and they flee and, and all this. Well, here we have the name of Jesus Christ being preached, but what we, what we don't have is the platform of credibility with the usage of that name. And that gets exposed here really fast. But I, I really think it's really funny how close these seven sons of Sceva are. I mean, they're really close. Um, they're Jewish. They are sons of a religious leader. And they actually used the right formula to perform an exorcism. They actually had the right name. They actually had the right pedigree. They, they were in the business. Mm -hmm. Their dad was a preacher. Yeah. And so um, they had logos. They had part of the pathos, the passion to do it. But they had none of the ethos. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is, is no matter how much you use the name of Jesus, if your credibility does not match your usage of that name, the demon turns on you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly what happened. They were so close. They even, um, but yet because they did not have the appeal of credibility, the name of Jesus kind of just dropped to the ground. Mm. I think that, I don't think we realize how important our personal character plays in the effectiveness of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying we're adding to the finished work of Christ. I'm not saying God needs us. Um, I'm just saying that the Bible is very clear that part of the formula for effective ministry in other people's lives, in our marriage, whether it's a church or whether it's a community, is credibility. It's got to be there. Um, and to have this kind of situation occur where the demons are like, <laughs> you know, um, uh, well, let's take a look at their dialogue because I, I don't yeah. want to spoil it. Why don't you read it to us? And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? Wow. It, isn't it amazing? The demon's like, okay, I'm fully aware who Jesus is and you're not it. Um, I've even heard about Paul. Can you imagine having such an impact in the kingdom? being so credible and passionate and so persuasive that even the demons are keeping track of who, whose team you're playing for. It's like, oh yeah, Paul, yeah, we know about him. I, well, we haven't actually played against him yet, but he's the quarterback <laughs> for that team out of yeah. Tarsus and uh, yeah. they're pretty good. Pretty uh, he good. can throw the ball. Yeah. Um, but they look at this, these guys and they say, but we, who are you? What is your claim? to using the name of Jesus. We've heard Paul use the name of Jesus. We've heard Jesus, okay? And he didn't use the name of Jesus. He, he was the name of Jesus. So we know about that, and yeah. we know about Paul's usage of it from a platform of credibility. Mm -hmm. But we're still hearing the name, but it falls flat because of uh, you don't have the credibility. Mm -hmm. So I think, that's, I think that's incredible. Now, I'm going to tell you a personal story. I know I've told it to you, but mm -hmm. a personal story that... People don't realize that I come from, I, got, I was raised Catholic, mm -hmm. got saved in a tent revival in Baltimore mm -hmm. with uh, oh, yeah. sawdust on the ground. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, really, people don't know that I was born in, into Christianity through Pentecostalism, mm -hmm. um, which I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's, that's where I came. So there was a lot of demon casting going on. And oh, yeah. most people don't know that I believe in visions, dreams, speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues. Um, but I've also had some experiences with the demonic. Mm -hmm. There was this one time, and, and again, you can take this and shove it and say that was a good story like you robbed in a jewelry store. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but this one, um, so I was at this church up in, in Baltimore, and I was sleeping over one of the deacon's house. And uh, while I was sleeping in the guest bedroom, um, I was just laying there and I began to have like this bad dream. And in this bad dream, um, I just felt like there was a demonic presence. Well, well, all of a sudden I wake out of sleep and the man's hand is on my knee moving up my leg. Okay. In the middle of the night. Okay. This guy, he was the deacon, one of the deacons of the church. He's like his hands crawling up my, my leg. And I'm like laying there and I'm just like, okay, God, God, what, what the heck is this? And in an instant, just like that, the Holy Spirit told me, your brother is oppressed by a demonic spirit. Um, he's a homosexual and he's been sleeping with his sister for seven years. Boom, knew it just like that, okay? And so I'm laying there, I'm like, okay, okay, what do I do? And so um, uh, 
I remember popping up in my seat after I, I knew it was him. I, I popped up in my seat, room's still dark, and all of a sudden something pushes me down on my chest and I'm forced back down onto the bed. And so, and I'm just newly saved. I mean, I'm not sure I'm still not high from the day before. Okay, I mean, I am, I am still that raw as a Christian. But I'm believing everything. I mean, I'm just like gobbling up the word of God. And, uh, and God just spoke to me. He said, you still have sin in your life. I need you to, you know, I was like sleeping with my girlfriend at the time. And there was a lot, a lot of chaos in my life. And God just said, you've got this. He said, but you've got sin in your life. You need to confess that sin and kind of re-consecrate yourself to me at this particular moment. So I just said, Father, forgive me for my sins and all this stuff. And then boom, I sat up, lay hands on the guy's head, and all of a sudden he flops down on the ground. Just about that time, lights come on, his mom runs into the room, and I'm, I'm putting my stuff in my duffel bag. I'm like, I'm getting the heck out of here. And I tell them, yeah, here's what's been going on. Um, but it was really interesting that, one, we have been given power over the demonic, <clears throat> But the power of the element of credibility is very important. Mm -hmm. And um, it was in that moment, God said, listen, hey, I'm going to use you. You're going to be okay. But you got some stuff between you and me. I need you to get rid of that because this demonic being knows that you've got this. And you just because you know the name of Jesus doesn't mean it's going to go away. There's mm -hmm. got to be some matching the kingdom spirit. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, as soon as I, re and it was easy, it was just confess my sins to God, boom, popped up. It wasn't like I had to go out and do a bunch of things and then, you know, weight lift and then pray a couple here, Mary's and an Our Father and mm -hmm. do acts of contrition. It was like, no, just faithful, just forgive your sins and boom, up and happen. Mm -hmm. But it was really interesting that that bit, bit of discontinuity in me was, it was a momentary moment of vulnerability, you know, or that was a stopgap at this. Mm -hmm. And it seems that it, it, it happens in this, is that there's a discontinuity between they're preaching Jesus, they're declaring Jesus, they're Jewish, they're all, they're all about getting rid of demons. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? I mean, mm -hmm. get rid of the bad guys. But the bad guys know whether or not you really are a good guy. Because, I mean, they've been hanging around you all your life. They also know if you have credibility or not. Yeah. So, um, their answer to them was, Jesus, we know, and Paul, we know about, uh, but we see discontinuity in you. And so you have no authority over us. So I think it's a pretty interesting story. Mm -hmm. We could take demons out of it. Okay. Now, um, let's, let's put the word spouse in there. Your spouse. Jesus, I know. You know, the Bible guys I know about. Mm -hmm. But who the heck are you? Who the heck are you to talk to me about, about being good or about forgiving my mother? Or who are you to tell me that we need, you, know, you need to go to church? Or, you know, it's like everybody's going to, the moment you have any truth that runs parallel to their lives, which means that's a collision and also sparks flying. So anytime you're going to say anything, and let's say you're in the right, you're righteous and you say it even in the right way. The moment that, Nobody likes that moment. Nobody likes that kind of friction. Everybody slams the brakes on, mm -hmm. and everybody starts to look for fault on who's caused the accident. The first thing anybody's going to do, whether it's your spouse, your kids, people at work, is they're going to look for a fault in your credibility. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and it's going to be, how dare you? You know, how you judge me, or how, you know, you lack total credibility. Mm -hmm. So I, I think. When you don't have this ethos, there's a glaring discontinuity that makes your kids just respond in a negative way. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think most atheists are not born out of scientific inquiry. I think most atheists are born out of Christian inconsistency. They were raised by a family or parent or went to a church where there was a glaring inconsistency with the, the Jesus that was being proclaimed and what was going on in their lives. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, as a as a spouse, that's like and father, man, just to be, and I think just in the world around, just and you don't want to have anything that somebody could say, oh, that's funny that he's uh, he's up there on stage. I saw right. I saw him over here. Yeah, last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
taking shots or doing something like that, you know. And it's always Paul talks about this constantly, mm-hmm. being a, above reproach, and he doesn't want anybody to be to, to have to stumble or anything as a right. result of his actions. Yeah. So it was an important thing for him too. Yeah, it's that's why I'm really concerned about, and, and I've been challenged about this about what I post on Facebook. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 Okay, because. Um, I can go a little bit crazy. You remember I posted about, you know, let's bomb Afghanistan into the Stone Age. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a plan on how we were going to get all the good people out of there, but I just wanted to <laughs> yeah, just rid the earth. To, yeah. And so, I mean, as soon as I saw, I mean, I'm posting, you know, when's America going to rise up? Let's pound them. And it's like, oh, wait a minute now, just calm down here, you know, um, or if I've disagreed with different movements that have happened in the United States over the last, or my stand on mass, or my stands on, we could talk about abortion, we could talk about gay marriage, we could talk about Trump, we could talk about Biden, whatever it is. When people start to see the spewing that goes out on our feeds, they have every right to say, hey, um, so, so you're a Jesus person? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I remember when we had a lot of tension in the United States going on, particularly with Black Lives Matter and some of the racial issues going on. Yeah. I had to make sure I contacted all the elders of Crosstown and say, listen, I need you to be really careful about what you post because we all were at a moment when we wanted to recoil, yeah. when we wanted to say something. Instead of waiting and finding out, okay, Lord, tell us what's the right thing to do. Maybe there is injustice here. I think we all were kind of like, wait a minute, you're accusing all, the, all particularly white people, you were accusing us of, of all being racist. We're not, I don't think I'm racist. Well, yeah. the fact you said you're not racist, you're a racist. Yeah. You know, all that makes me want to do is go, ah! <laughs> you're right, and here I come! You know, yeah, uh, like, no, yeah. and it was like, and I felt that everybody had that same kind of response. It was a very, remember how antagonistic that, that moment was? Yeah, it's like you could say nothing right. Right. Yeah. And, and, there, and there was stuff for us to learn. For sure. I mean, there was racism to be challenged. There, was, sure. there was this, you know, and I learned a lot during that time. Yeah. But I had to send out a message to everybody like, listen, you cannot be posting stuff. Right. We've right. got to let God teach us about what we need to learn here instead of just responding. Yeah. Um, so what were some of the other things that you saw pop up on Facebook? Are you a Facebook guy? Uh, or, or, or I'm a you, Facebook Marketplace guy. Oh, okay. You like to shop Me for, and Brian, yeah. Facebook Marketplace. Shop, yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I got that's it. About, um, that's about it. No, yeah. but Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, I mean, all the, is, I mean, I, I heard a lot of yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Because Kelly's on them and Instagram and those kind of things. It's, yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's why we got to be very careful about our credibility is online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when Crosstown was started, we couldn't get anybody to come, um, and uh, I, I don't know why. It's because the exclamation I, mark. There should have been two more. Yeah, it was Crosstown with an exclamation point <laughs> after, like, Sega! <laughs> it was Crosstown! Crosstown! Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I put an exclamation hey, point, but I was really excited. excited. Okay, yeah. but I will tell you what I didn't have was credibility. Um, I was excited about what God wanted us to do. Yeah. I was very persuasive. I mean, I was using PowerPoint like nobody thought it could be used. Oh, baby. I mean, I mean PowerPoint, that was the big presentation software. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. What were those sheets that you put on a, a, oh, like, a opaque projector? Oh, yeah. Those, remember those ones? <laughs> every yeah. time. Oh, man, I picked every those time. off in color. I had the most oh, cutting man. edge. Every time I think about, I think about you in Northwoods. Oh, oh man. The, the overhead oh, projector. Yeah. I had, I had um, okay, I know this isn't part of the Bible study, but he brought it up. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it just made me it's, flash it's back. It's about, cre- about credibility. Okay. So Northwood Assembly is a really large church. It's called Northwoods now. They're up in the Corns Crossroads. They launched mm-hmm. a lot of church. Seacoast was started by Northwoods. Mm-hmm. We were started by Northwoods. Uh, uh, Eastside, all of them. A whole bunch of churches were started by. But there was a time when it was like a church of 2,500 to 3,000 people. And uh, so I, w- I remember being a single guy. And uh, a couple times I was single. <laughs> and so... Uh, one of the things that you could do is when we worshiped, we didn't have projectors. We had overhead projectors, uh, things, and they would take the sheet and had the lyrics on it, and, yeah, you, the, and that was cutting it. edge. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, hymnals were, but you're not even hearing from God in a hymnal. <laughs> were you, you old coot? What are you doing? But, but we were cutting edge. But what everybody didn't know is that when you were up on the platform and you would uh, doing it, uh, you would be facing the crowd. 
So all the single guys wanted that job <laughs> because we'd have our mullets and they would die. I had my achy breaky heart mullet and I'd have oh, my yeah. pinstripe suit on oh, and all yeah. stuff. I'd be putting um, uh, the lyrics up and looking out at the ladies and the thing. You, you know, saw how and, good that was? You know, Look at that transition. The bottom, one of those, one of those bottom ones. Oh, it was yeah. like, I remember putting it over and they're looking and it's like, what is that at the bottom right? That's my phone number. You know, and projecting the phone number up there. You is, that know. The li- is that the licensing number? No. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's amazing. You can look like you're so close oh, yeah. to being the real thing so and just close. have just a little bit of lack of credibility. Yeah. But when we started Crosstown, yeah. nobody was coming. We had no money. We were meeting in a theater for like seven years straight. I mean, it was like the worst time in my life. But yeah. you know what we had? We had addicts. We had uh, Merrily used to bring the, the ladies from downtown yeah that were requir- recovering with children with uh crack addiction and so we would the only ministry the only people that wanted to listen to us was um the crack addicts yeah from downtown don Spruill avenue yeah so we would send a van down we bought a van to go get them and bring them and every sunday yeah. they would be there worshiping god and their kids and all that sort of stuff and um we didn't have any money but we had we had crack addicts But then I remembered that there was, we started to get an influx of people of influence, people that had money. Yeah. But what I found was that it was easier to pastor the addicts than it was the people of influence because the people of influence wanted me to do stuff for their contribution. Um, It was almost like I had to create a program that was acceptable to, and I remember people was, were saying to me at that time, we're not coming back to Crosstown because you've got the wrong kind of crowd here. And I remember that was a key point when I had to decide the level of credibility that I was going to have. Was I going to chase the money or was I going to um, uh, help the ladies? Mm -hmm. And here we are about 25 years later and Merrill Lee just had a Bible study in the other room there. Um, So I think that kind of shows what choice we ended up making. Yeah. and, but that was a real, people don't know that that was a personal test of mine. It's like, and, and I'd have pastors tell me, you're never going to grow a successful church if you're sending the van down to pick up these ladies, these crack. Yeah, what are they going to do for you? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, it was a time. I, Liz, were you here at that time? I was in the cinema for about a year. Yeah. 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 I was in, I was in the cinema yeah. for a year for about a decade. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm telling you what, I mean, I just talked about credibility. We, is it the, it's the one we went back to when we flooded, right? Yeah. yeah. That was like, that's people don't realize it <laughs> was like Yoga, Yogi Berra said, oh, yeah, yeah. it's deja vu all over deja again. All over yeah. yeah. So I was, we went back to the same cinema that we started the church in yeah. and people saw, that really created anger in me. Yeah. It was like, here I'm I am 20 back. years later and I am back in the stupid <laughs> cinema again. It's like that scene in, in Jurassic Park where the, where the truck goes into the tree and the kid's falling and yeah. falling and then it lands and the little kid says, we're back in the car again. You know, and it's like, that's how I felt. Um, yeah. But, it, it, okay, so, so this is how it was, is that we, these ladies would come in and they would line up on the, they would sit on the front row Oh, yeah. Desperate people want to be close to Jesus. Oh, boy. And, and you yeah. know what's thing is that they would be there and they wouldn't always be dressed correctly. And there was one Sunday where a woman's, is bosom okay? A word, is that the proper thing? Bosom's okay. Like, okay. I didn't say a snafu. I said no, bosom. Okay. No, bosom. So, um, uh, <laughs> but we had a snafu with a woman's bosom. And, and so all of a sudden it was on display for me and I was leading worship. Okay. Cause this is before I could, before Ricky and I'm all of a sudden, and this woman's fixing herself and putting herself back in. And I remember it's like, I've got to be a man of God in order to make it through this. I mean, I must be the real deal. You know, uh, those were a heck of times, but it is interesting that it doesn't take a demon to expose your lack of credibility. It really doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so the results of this story, and I think we all need to know this: the eventual inevitable exposure. Jesus tells a parable about what is whispered inside of a house will be shouted from the rooftop. Okay, what is done in secret will be proclaimed in open. 
And that is true. We think we can get away without credibility in our lives. Right. So um, what's that verse say about these guys? They fled out of the house naked and wounded. Okay. It always happens. You can only hold a facade up for so long until you are exposed and, and people discover who you really are. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in this case. Uh, running out of the room naked. Um, and whether it's the morning news or it's revealed through a conversation with one spouse or children, it, it's really, it can happen. And mm-hmm. it will happen that a lack of credibility is always exposed. Mm-hmm. And it's never a good feeling. Um, it really isn't. No. Uh, I, I think, uh, I, I don't want to belabor this too much and keep track of our time, but um, I remembered when I discovered when Crosstown wasn't going on the path, the trajectory of growth that I wanted it to have, that God really showed me that I really didn't love people, that I loved communicating. Um, I loved what communicating to people where it could put me and how it satisfied my ego. So God, I mean, I remember, it was like a breakdown moment to me. Um, I was developing this anxiety inside of me that I, I was disquieted, and God showed me that I'd allowed a second ego, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm not a deep you know, psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist. Matter of fact, I'm not one at all, <laughs> let alone deeper, shallow. But the bottom line is God showed me in time of prayer he's like no you've allowed a second ego to emerge in your soul mm-hmm. and it's like it's the soul of the performer um the teacher you are so into teaching you put it higher than who you are as a person i have called you to be a person who teaches not a teacher who's a person um and i had allowed the reverse to occur and you know um the way that that got exposed is if you questioned anything that I taught, I got all angry. Mm-hmm. I felt like you were rejecting me. Um, and I'd be like, bump him, screw him. Let him go to hell, even if it doesn't exist. You know, I mean, so I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, and it was God, what God did for me was a favor. He exposed me to myself. Mm-hmm. He didn't expose me to a lot of people. The only reason why you even know about this is because I told it to you. Yeah. Um, but he exposed me to myself and, sa- and showed me, you know, you really don't have a heart after these people. You have a heart after using these people to affirm yourself as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. Even though I used all the same words, love, people, teaching, you just rearrange them and it's something ugly. You arrange them the right way, it's something godly. Mm-hmm. Credibility of character is what determines how you arrange the words. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, um, uh, I still to this day believe that is the number one thing that has stunted the growth of this church all these years. Now, some of you are like being way too hard on yourself. Don't worry, I have such a good ego; it will survive my own <laughs> <laughs> deprecation. Okay, you know, I mean, I'm serious. It's like not only that, I also know that he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete that work. Yeah. And I know I've been his child all along. Um, I just didn't know. I thought I was ready. Yeah. You know, yeah. 36 years old, ready to go. I was going to change the world. Yeah. And it's like, get out of the way, Seacoast. Yeah. Get out of the way, Northwoods. Get out of the way, you old farts. Uh, I mean, you're, you're old people. <laughs> you know, you're old traditional. Please excuse it. Um, uh, you know, the old tradition. Uh, and it was like, no, I, God wasn't impressed with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. But now it's the healthiest it's ever been. Oh, yeah. It's real healthy. Oh, yeah. I think I'm like this big, but it's healthy, you know. (laughs) But I would rather be. Oh, yeah. I would rather be that big and have it be healthy than for me to be giant and everybody else, you know. I would rather. I learned this from Jacob. I would rather limp with God than to strut with men. Mm -hmm. Um, And. Death uh, quote. Yeah. I had to learn that. Yeah. I had to learn that. So. So in order to have what Paul's got. You got to want what Paul wanted. Mm -hmm. So I think, and some of you have raised Pentecostal or been in the Pentecostal movement and charismatic movement, and you might have gone to a church because you wanted to see the Holy Ghost fall and you wanted to, you know, we've had all kinds of movements on that. But Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of us have chased it. We wanted, we want what Paul wanted. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, then you got to, you got to 
want what Paul wanted. Right. We want right. to have what Paul had. And you used to a quote this today. You told me about a quote. Oh, uh, what you, uh, yeah, with people. What you, what you win them with, you win them to. You're right. What you win them with, you win them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, or another way is whatever you got to do to get them, you got to maintain it to keep them. Yeah. And so uh, it, a so lot of people a- want what Paul had. Right. But the only way you get that is to want what Paul wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and let's close out with reading that verse. Out of Philippians 3, verse 8. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So, if you want to have the impact that Paul had, if you want to be like Moses, if you want to be a man after God's own heart like David, you got to want what those, those people wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Paul reflects, that he had no concern about how good he looked in the room He was not concerned about the write-ups in the newspaper about him. Uh, He considered the perception of success, all things to be considered rubbish and lost. And he had them. He had success. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had this whole pedigree of, you know, uh, uh, circumcised on the eighth day. I don't know how that's an achievement, but apparently it was back then. You know, so he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He was spotless concerning the law, Mm -hmm. a teacher of the law, persecutor of all those who opposed God. I mean, he said, I got all that. And after he lists out this incredible thing that, you know, his calling card, he says, I consider it all just rubbish Mm -hmm. compared to knowing Christ. Nothing mentioned in there about, I want to raise dead people um uh, nothing in there about i want to pray for handkerchiefs and lay them on people mm-hmm. nothing in there is that i want to preach to thousands and millions mm-hmm. uh nothing there I, about i want to be on tv or have a podcast that's got millions of viewers no he said really what i'm after is to know christ says so no longer i who lives but now christ who lives within me mm-hmm. <sighs> i tell you what yeah that's such a challenge yeah it is it is um so With all that, uh, what do you need to do if you're like me? Um, And to all of you who found yourself at some point naked, running out of the room, and after they said, who are you? You're asking yourself, well, really, who am I? Mm -hmm. And you've been exposed, and I think maybe we've all been there at some time. Uh, I just want to let you know that even if you run out of the room naked and wounded, there still is hope. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that 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 hope that has come through christ what do we need to realize one we need to realize that god has not given up on us never regardless of how bad you've messed up just know no matter how bad you've ruined your credibility it can always be restored through a relationship with christ Mm -hmm. Um, it may and, and i will say this it may take a whole lot of time and it may you may not even see the benefits of it until the other side of the grave um, my dad was a tough man to live with, but the last 10 years when he gave his life to Christ, he started just chunks of credibility started coming back. You know, we hated him all of our lives. I mean, I, and I think I can speak for most of my brothers and sister. Uh, I mean, we hated him, but when he got Christ, you know, the first five years, yeah, we didn't really believe it. We don't want your stinking Jesus, you know? Um, and then, but as a go, he walked in it, he walked in it and walked in it and more and more. And it was like, wow, you just erased 40 bad years of I've wanted to kill you all my life. Mm-hmm. And in the, and now to this day, I cry when I think about wishing I could go fishing with him mm-hmm. because his life, his credibility was so restored that my own, my only pain is that all my brothers that moved away didn't get to see it. Uh, to see that restoration Mm -hmm. so don't give up the other thing learn to walk in the power of honesty and confession be honest to god and to others uh, that you've wounded just be honest with them don't try to hide it don't try to defend yourself it doesn't work third thing stop leaning on vain sources of affirmation Um, when you get in the real 
pinch and toughness, you know, when you go up against the real demons of life, it'll expose you naked. Mm-hmm. You know, I was real good until I wounded my back two years ago. I mean, I, I really thought, you know, and I, was, I wasn't fake, trying to fake it. I thought I pretty much knew what it meant that uh, when I am weak, he is strong. And it's like, oh, no, you, you really don't know that yet. And then when I injured my back and just, you know, was desperate and wanted to end my life, it was like, I'm only going to make it if God helps me. Yeah. And it was like, that verse now means so much to me. Um, so I, I didn't know what I didn't know. But I did know that don't lean on vain sources of affirmation. The next one is this. Establish on, honest to God relationships. I am so free. Matter of fact, one of the teachers came up at this school that I spoke to today and said, you can come back whenever you want. You are so authentic and honest. These kids need that. Mm -hmm. And uh, people say that I'm courageous. I'm not courageous. I just can't live the lie. It's too hard to keep track of the lie. (laughs) It takes so much energy. You know, if you ever lied to somebody and then had to make sure, wait a minute, I think I told them this. And you have to, you know, make sure you cover your butt. Yeah. Lies are so exhausting, you know? Um, And I just decided I wasn't going to do it anymore. Um, And then I I would say this, ask God for the spirit of guts, the guts to face um, the issue of credibility in your life. David mm-hmm. did it. He said, search me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way within me. Mm-hmm. And that's a really thing. And God will be like, okay, cool. Um, you don't want to hide from me, and I'm not going to let you hide from you. I'm, I'm going to I'll lay yeah. it out there. And I will say this. God is not looking to humiliate anybody, so don't be afraid of that. He may humble us, but humiliation is just defacing for the purpose of yeah bringing shame into a person's life. God doesn't do that. Yeah. God may break me to heal me, but he will not humiliate me to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And I have that confidence in that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So d- you may think that, well, I, I need to go back and get a seminary degree or I, I don't know the Bible enough. You'd be surprised how much your credibility speaks to a person. One person, my wife, all she has to do, if you asked her about some theological viewpoint, my wife will just say something like, I don't know. All I know is that my heavenly father loves me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not because my wife is like brain dead or anything. I mean, my wife is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's brilliant, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, mm-hmm. she's at the top of the line. But I tell you, when she speaks, people listen. Her credibility, she doesn't have to know all that. She'll even, there were times where, Paul, you worry about so many things. You yeah. wrestle with evolution, you revolution with, with the flood, and you revel, and I like, yeah, you're wrestling with how much, where'd all the poop go from in Noah's Ark, and, and why didn't it sink the boat? And yeah. it's like, you are worried about a lot of things. Yeah. And the woman's credibility just speaks for her. Yeah. Can you imagine having to speak to your spouse about that? And uh, yeah, my wife has had to talk to me about the poop in the boat. I'm like, but honey, have you ever thought it out? You know, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, that would be a lot of it. But it's just like, wait a minute. If he can make it flood, and if he can make the animals go to the ark, and if he can shut the door of the ark without Noah having to shut it, I think he can control the poop problem. You know. Yeah. So, uh, isn't that be yeah, like? I believe the, in the miracle the one thing. I believe in the resurrection, but the poo issue is my problem. You know, it shows up. Can't get past. That's the poo. <laughs> yep. Oh, I could. And on that note. That, yes. Okay. Uh, That's great. My credibility no, has run out. Credi- <laughs> oh, good stuff. Oh, Brian, are, are there any questions there that anybody has? I know they're still 90 seconds behind us. The word poo has not even actually come out of their, their TV yet. It'll be there soon. Right about <laughs> now. Now. There it is. Okay. They're calling. The phone starts to ring. Oh. Uh, okay. Nobody's going to ask them. Okay. <laughs> they're just laughing hysterically I think nobody asked any questions because they're afraid I'm going to make fun of them is that is that how, you, how we feel look at it look we established this is how we I've, show a little I've bit I've bruised her Denise is hard she's like I can't cheer anymore pastor I can't cheer uh, why don't you close this out in prayer Father thank you so much that you, a broken and contrite heart, you will not despise. Thank you that you will search us and that you will 
um, if we just surrender that to you. And that God, for all of these things we've read over tonight, one of the things that um, is so sobering to me is just to never be in that position to where they would even ask, but who are you? And that God, would, uh, the platform of credibility would be so rich in our lives and in my life um, that you could use it, Lord. And not like, like Paul said at the end, we would count all the things that are that are that we can consider successful things that we've would, achievements and things we'd realize would oh that'll finally get me there that'll finally make me you know in these people's eyes or in, even in my own eyes some way that has accomplished something that we could just count that as rubbish just so that you would use us lord that you would make much of your name through us it's in your wonderful and precious name we pray amen Amen. And let me just say, if you uh, owned a jewelry store in 1978 in the city of Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and uh, like December, man, you're really December 15th, you were robbed. Let me know, I will pay you for without interest. Without interest, <laughs> can't do interest. Can't do interest. Free cokes. I mean, free hot free dogs. Hot dogs no, yeah. Um, but uh, I'll pay you for that ring. Thanks so much. Have a great night. <laughs>